Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Andrew Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is finally on another one of their very big cards of the year. UFC 248 is upon us. Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero. We will be breaking down that as well as the other title fight on the card, Veili Zhang versus Joanna Jan Jacek, as well as our third favorite fight on the card as part of our fights dogs and parlay section we'll also give you a underdog as well as a parlay that we think you should play and we have been cashing week after week after week with those so make sure you tune into that plus we are always getting the episode kicking with a couple of interviews with fighters who have fights this week this week we'll be talking to sugar sean o'malley as he gets off of his super long unwarranted layoff and is ready to finally get in there and mix it up and plus, we'll be talking to Austin Hubbard as well. But before we get to any of that wonderful content, we got to remind you that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by BattleClan. Visit BattleClanGear.com and use promo code TURTLEUP10, that's T-U-R-T-L-E-U-P-1-0, for 10% off your whole order there. Now, I personally love BattleClan gear, not just because of the way it looks and feels, which is obviously great, but I love them for what they stand for. This company was a company started by two guys who could not be more different from one another. One is from California, one is from Brazil. Different cultures, ideologies, desires in life, overall just very different people. But the sport of MMA and BJJ brought them together. And if you train, whether it's BJJ, MMA, or any martial art for that matter, You've had this feeling before. You are a part of a family, or maybe a clan, if you will, for those you train with. And and that's really the premise behind BattleClan Gear. So rep that idea and your whole clan by going to BattleClanGear.com and using promo code TURTLEUP10. BattleClan Gear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Greenland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Sean O'Malley, who fights Jose Alberto Quinanez at UFC 248 on March 7th. So, Sean, at the time of this interview, we're about two weeks away from your bout. With all that's gone down, with all of the commissions giving you shit and working through all of that stuff, are there any nerves that something could still go wrong at this point? Um, Not too much right now, just because I got my last couple you saw the results back um and and i'm good so not not right now just because i don't have any tests pending but who knows if you saw it comes by in the next couple days and then you know i'll probably still be nervous waiting for the next test just because you know the last i went to two full training camps and got pulled twice from them both so until i'm in the in the cage um there's always that little bit of doubt right now and you mentioned, you know, the trouble that they've been giving you. Obviously, there, there's multiple parties involved here. There's you, them, and there's the UFC. How, how helpful has the UFC been through all of this this process? Yeah, I'm super lucky the UFCs. You know, most guys probably would have been cut by now. So I'm super thankful the UFCs. Uh, um, they see what I see in me, which is, you know, a, a, a future superstar. So. You know, I know, I know they have that vision for me too. So you know, I, I'm super thankful for them. Absolutely. Now, you know, you mentioned you're, you're a future superstar. There's been two years since we've seen you in the cage. Do you feel like you still are going to have that superstar stuff right when you get in there? Or are you worried a little bit about the ring rust? 
<laughs> no, I'm not worried about the ring rust. That's no, I'm not. I'm 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 ready to go. I'm I'm good. That's not going to be an issue. And how about the mental side of things, too? Because obviously, you know, you're excited to be getting back in the cage after two years, after, you know, this being your third training camp for, you know, one fight, seemingly. You know, are you worried at all about your emotions getting to you? No, I'll be good. It, it's it's like, it's like that's where I feel most comfortable and just is like in moments like that. So I'm not really worried about it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to going in there, being calm. And, and doing what I do best. And how much of that mentality, you know, you said you feel like that's what you do best. How, how much of that mentality has been important to you through this, like, really tough time? Yeah, I think that's, you know, I've just been trying to think championship mindset. What would a champion do in each moment? And that's, you know, that's not let all of this, um, affect me negatively. So I've I've just been in the gym training. I've gotten it's so much better <clears throat> in the last two years. Uh, my body's gotten healthy. I had my foot surgery. I had my hip surgery. I think those really needed more recovery time than I was trying. I was trying to push it, trying to fight too soon. So I, they, you know, they say a blessing in disguise. I think this is what this was. My body got to heal up. And I gotta and I gotta get on a good lifting program, like like a um, consistent one, and train a lot of jujitsu. So I think uh, I've just gotten better. Now, now you mentioned in there a lifting program and a strength and, and training program. Is that through the MMA lab, or, or did you go somewhere specifically for that? They have a great strength and conditioning program there. I just for me, it's it's like at this point in my career, I really like the the one on one aspect of things the you know brandon harris the guy i'm working with he's extremely passionate about what he does and uh and it was just a good fit um he has he has big big plans for me you know he, he told me how um like how much better would you be being 20 percent stronger and more explosive stuff and i was like damn i would be a really good fucking athlete if i could just put on some more power some more size so I gotta do I gotta do that and just be consistent with it. I've never lifted consistently. It's always been like here and there. Just never really lifted. So it's been extremely beneficial for my uh, for for my style of fighting. You know, I'm extremely ex- explosive and I faint a lot, so I move a lot. So it's been it's been good. I'm glad I'm glad I'm working with them. And you mentioned in there, too, that you feel stronger, you feel more explosive. Have you gotten physically bigger? Because obviously, you know, being a Bantamweight and being a young Bantamweight at that, there's obviously room to get bigger. Yeah, I was walking around at 148 when I fought uh, Andre two years ago. And now walking around, like right now, I'm 151. I'm on, I'm ready, I'm, I'm in the perfect spot right where i'm at right now but i was walking around at like 155 156 a little bit bigger which i've never done so i've been eating a lot and i've been and and lifting lifting hard makes you want to eat so i've been eating and lifting and i feel so my i don't get injured as much all my i used to get injured all the time something small here and there but now that i've been lifting consistently everything's just stronger um my body just feels more healthy 
Interesting, interesting. And, and obviously, you know, like this means that you're going to have a little bit larger of a weight cut too when it comes time for fight week and, and stuff. How do you feel about that process as well? Are you seeing a nutritionalist to help with the extra weight? Uh, well, I'm just gonna. I, I don't. It's not gonna be too much of a different weight cut because when I was walking around 148, I could just stay up. I could stay there for a while, so I didn't really cut too much. I, I think I don't think I'm definitely gonna have to cut a couple extra pounds, probably, but it's not gonna be an issue. Um, last fight camp, I hired a nutritionist named Dan Garner, and I got my blood tested, um, my pee, my poop, my saliva, everything tested, and. Um, saw what kind what foods cause inflammation what foods my body doesn't do good with and uh he wrote me out a full full fight camp for that last fight and i'm literally just doing the same thing so i did it pretty much the entire last fight camp and felt amazing like i felt so good so i just i'm sticking with that right now makes a lot of sense now let's talk about the fight itself too because you're fighting jose alberto quinones who's had a pretty good run in the ufc as well um and, and he was a guy you were originally booked for all those years ago, right? Like a, a couple of years ago, you were supposed to be fighting him anyway. It, does it hurt, help your mental preparation, knowing that this is a guy you've already gotten ready for once? You've already done a training camp once? Uh, yeah. It just, you know, I just want to, yeah. I, I feel like I'm just going to go out there and uh, and give him a lot of problems right off the bat. So it was just a good matchup, and, you know, it's not, it wasn't fair to him. He was, you know, getting to fight me. His He's going to be on the main card now. He's going to get some attention, you know. So I, I was supposed to fight him, so it's just going back and uh, starting where I left off. Absolutely. Now, before we let you go, I do like to get a prediction from you. How do you see this one ending when uh, all is said and done on March 7th? Uh, he's tough. He's going to – if he tries to stand with me, which I know he's not going to, he's going to try to take me down, I'll, I'll knock him out in the first round. If he tries to grab me and gets me, I don't know. We'll probably knock him out in the first or second. I feel extremely confident I'm going to go in there and get my first finish in the UFC. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This was Sean O'Malley, who fights Jose Alberto Quinanez at UFC 248. March 7th is the date. Sean, thanks you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Hell yeah. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Austin Hubbard, who fights Mark O. Madsen at UFC 248 on March 7th. So, Austin, I actually want to take you back to right after your last fight, which was uh, your first win in the Octagon. I noticed that on social media you wound up in the hospital. Why don't you tell us a little I bit did. about why that happened or how it happened? Yeah, so... um you know, after the fight, uh, you know, I ate a few leg kicks during the fight, which is pretty typical. And uh, it wasn't like an outrageous number or anything like that. Like, I only got kicked, I want to say, anywhere from like six to maybe ten times. I don't know the exact count, but it wasn't like crazy amount. I've been kicked a lot more in other fights. And, uh, you know, as the night went on, my leg just got more and more sore. And... uh by the end of the night, like, by the time the card ended, I was the first fight on, on that card on in Vancouver, September 14th. And uh, by the time the card ended, I was, I was like, man, I, my leg hurts pretty bad. And it was, like, super swollen. It, it literally felt like a rock. is rock hard um, because it was so swollen. And uh, I was like, I think I'm just going to go up to my room and, and relax, um, not 
I don't think I'm going to make the trip back to, back to downtown and uh, celebrate and everything because the pain was getting pretty bad. And uh, as I was getting up to my room, my coaches were helping me up into the elevator and taking me up to my room. And luckily they're holding me, but um, I actually passed out. And uh, so then they obviously called the ambulance and uh, they forced me to go to the hospital at that point. Um, and I got to the hospital, uh, thinking I was just going to get some pain medicine and be on my way pretty much. And they did like the pressure test and, uh, just, uh, decided they had to rush me to emergency surgery. Um, uh, I got what's called compartment syndrome and, uh, yeah, I had the surgery and that was that it was ended up being in Vancouver a uh, whole week after the fight and had three surgeries and uh, definitely was not the way I thought <laughs> my post-fight celebration would go, but it's the way it went. Wow. And, and now I got to ask too, because you, you know, you said it's something that you have, is it something that could reoccur or is this something that was like a one-time freak thing? Yeah. They said it's impossible to happen again because the fascia has been cut. Um, I mean, I, I hope, that's the case i i don't want to find out but they said it I, i'm literally the first case in ufc history i was told to even have the surgery due to co- two compartment syndrome so like it's super rare like you've seen fights end with leg kicks and you know it still hasn't happened so um if it happens to me again i i better start playing the lottery or something because <laughs> Or I'm just the most unlucky person on earth. I guess one or the other. Uh, but yeah, I hope it doesn't happen again. And it, they said it shouldn't happen again. But I guess uh, we'll see if, if that's the case or not. <laughs> well, I hope it doesn't happen again. But I, I do have to ask you one more question about it. How long did it take you to, you know, obviously you're there for a week. How long did it take you to get back to training after that win? Um, Honestly, it only took me about two months. So... I finished, I, I, I healed up pretty quick. Uh, I, I would have done more sooner, but, uh, my coaches will let me. And, uh, I finished through PT literally in probably two to three weeks before the, the guy was just was like, uh, there's just really nothing else I can do for you. Like you're, you're behind the point of rehabilitation and like, you're pretty much good to go and start working out and everything. Um, I actually, like, even before, like, it probably only took about a month, month and a half before, like, strength training and everything, like, completely normal, like, stuff like that. Um, Yeah, it it didn't take near as long as they said, so I'm pretty thankful for that. And like I said, I was full into training about the two-month mark after my last surgery, Um, that being, like, sparring, weightlifting, like, everything, so... Well, that's an absolutely crazy recovery time. Now, let's let's yeah. fast forward and let, let's talk about your upcoming fight because I'm excited about this one. Now, you've already fought a very talented grappler. Back in your UFC debut, you fought a, a world champion BJJ guy in Davi Ramos. Now you turn yeah. around and you get an Olympic-level wrestler in Marco Madsen. So, I mean, like, they seem to be keep lining up the grapplers for you. What do you think about that <laughs> run of opponents? You know, it's 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 good experience, you know, uh, especially the, um, Davi Ramos fight, I feel like it's prepared me great, you know, to fight 
someone with that level of experience in another area of, of martial art, you know? So, um, as far as that goes, it's, it's super good experience. Uh, you know, I, 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 it helps me adjust to being in the UFC, um, even faster, I feel like, opposed to them having maybe some lesser level, um, entry level, other like, um, UFC opponents. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I look forward to every challenge that presents itself. So, uh, you know, I'm just ready to take care of what's in front of me, and this is what's in front of me, so. Absolutely, and, and have you done anything specifically to work on your wrestling? I mean, obviously, we know you, your grappling is pretty impressive. I mean, you survived on the ground for 15 minutes with Davi Ramos, which nobody else in the UFC has done. Do, do you do anything particular to work on, you know, a big wrestler like Marco Madsen? Um, I mean, I... I to compare Davi to Mark, I feel like you really can't compare them grappling-wise because they're, they're such a different style. So, like, as far as being on the mat, I'm really not too concerned. I honestly feel like I'm a better fighter on the mat than I am, like, against Mark. Obviously, Mark is a stronger um, in-the-clinch type of wrestler. Um, from distance, even, I think he might even have some issues um, taking me down and such, but, uh, you know, there's a few things I've done, you know, just to make sure I, I stay out of the clinch and where he's strong is obviously in the clinch. Cause that's, that's mostly where Greco is and with the trips and everything. So yeah, there's been, uh, obviously like drills and things such as that that I've been drilling quite a bit to, you know, keep space and keep moving and whatnot. But um, as far as, like, specifically um, game planning and stuff for, like, to, I, I don't plan on beating him where he's stronger. I plan on <laughs> avoiding that because, I mean, he's grown up doing Greco. He's he's an Olympic uh, silver medalist. Like, I'm – Let's be real. I'm not going to be better than a Greco silver medalist, medalist in just one fight camp. So, you know, I was working a lot of defense stuff. And um, if I do get in those situations, working out of those situations, uh, things like that. Uh, well, I, I think it's absolutely refreshing to hear a fighter finally tell me that they're not going to go beat them at their own game. And just <laughs> be honest about it. So I appreciate that. Now, I am going to end this interview by asking you a quick question. Like, how, how do you see this fight going? If everything goes to plan, what's your prediction for this one? Um, Honestly, I I feel like I'm a much better fighter on my feet. And with uh, my game plan I've developed with my coaches, I'm feeling real confident that I'll be able to um, stuff his attempts and keep it on the feet and win, win on the feet and either decision or hopefully get a knockout, you know. Always gunning for a knockout or finish, but is the most ideal situation. But I definitely believe I'm I'm coming out of this fight with my hand raised. And, and whatever it takes to not take a couple more leg kicks, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This was Austin Hubbard, who fights Marco Madsen at UFC 248 on March 7th. Austin, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. And those interviews with Shuka Sean O'Malley and Austin Hubbard are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do jiu-jitsu, judo, 
Taekwondo, it does not matter. They've got you covered. You can not only set up a profile on their social media, but you can log your training sessions, competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. It is a great way to stay on top of your training, making sure you're making your progress, and keeping detailed notes in the process. So I highly suggest checking it out, Maroon Social. Now I'm Daniel Kirby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, how good is it to hear that finally Sugar Sean O'Malley is getting back into the cage? I am so excited he's back, Gumby. This is a man who is 10-0 in MMA, a super exciting fighter, uh, had somewhat of a bum kind of rap on him about the failed test, but then it might have been stayed in his fatty tissue. We don't really know. It's one of those murky situations where I'm just ready to get past it. I love watching this guy fight. He also had a really nice performance in the quintet uh, team grappling tournament last December. As part of Team UFC, highly encourage people to go back and watch that. So long story short, I'm glad this man is back on the active UFC roster. Absolutely. And in addition to that, too, you know, you mentioned the quintet on there. Uh, you know, he's a guy who has put tons of work into his jiu-jitsu from there because we all remember him as like a killer striker from the Contender Series and from what he did to Andre Sukumta and, and other fights, too. But, like, he has put a lot of work into his jiu-jitsu, and, and I think he's probably going to surprise some people in the UFC with it. Well, you talk about putting work in. We are putting work into our favorite segment on the show this week. It's fights, dogs, and parlays for a banger of a card, UFC 248. I am so hyped for our main event of Yoel Romero versus Israel Adesanya. We'll, of course, be breaking that down. But, Gumby, before we get to this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, one may wonder if any company sponsors said segment. Well, of course, this segment is brought to you by Battle Clan Gear. Go to BattleClanGear.com and make sure to use promo code TURTLEUP10 for 10% off all of your grappling and daily life wear needs. Uh, that's once again, Turtle, T-U-R-T-L-E, U-P, one zero for 10% off your whole order. Hey, if you're a fan of the show, if you're a friend of the show, go support the show, put that promo code in, get yourself a nice discount in the process. Gumby, let's start as we are, uh, you know, often do with the main event. It is Israel Diadesanya versus Yoel Romero for the middleweight title. Israel Diadesanya is undefeated in his MMA career. He's undefeated in the UFC. Really reminds me of the John Jones meteoric rise to the title. If I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head, they both won the title in their seventh fight in the UFC. And you might even want to have the intern check. Don't have to do it now. We could come back at a later date or on our Twitter. I think Connor also might have won it in his seventh fight, if I'm not mistaken. That all being said, it feels like Israel Adesanya has a blessed career. Uh, he's certainly one of the most exciting superstars, young superstars the UFC has, and a hell of a striker. We just saw that with a KO of the champ, Robert Whitaker, back in October of 2019. Danced himself to the ring, had a dance-off with Yoel Romero at the uh, press conference for this fight a couple of weeks back. Romero, he's about 58 years old. No one really knows. <laughs> he's on a two-fight losing streak. He lost to the aforementioned Robert Whitaker via split decision. He lost to Paulo Costa via unanimous decision. You'd have to go back to Luke Rockhold, a KO win back in February of 2018. So two years ago to the date for his last win, and he lost to Robert Whitaker before that back in July of 2017. So he is one and three in his last four. Also had a tainted supplement, speaking of the aforementioned Sean O'Malley before 
uh, that he got overturned and actually sued the company for uh, mucho dinero. So he's living life large off that lawsuit, but not going to help him in the cage against Israel Adesanya. It's the classic wrestler boxer versus uh, just video game-esque almost striking of Israel Adesanya. Adesanya, the minus 275 favorite. Yoel Romero, the plus 230 dog. Break it down for us, Gumby. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm taking Israel Adesanya. Look, the, the only reason Yoel Romero is getting this title shot is because everybody is talking about his power, right? But the, the fact of the matter is, is Israel Adesanya creates angles better than any striker in the UFC right now, and I include John Jones in that. While John Jones may be more creative in certain situations, his wrestling is probably better. The fact of the matter is, is when it comes to pure striking, creating angles, and making people pay for overcommitting to things... Israel Adesanya does that the best. And you can go back to his last fight with Robert Whitaker, and exactly what he did to knock him out was he stepped off the center line with his whole body when Robert Whitaker came forward, and he stunned him right on the side of the head. So, you know, Yoel Romero, don't get me wrong, he's quick, he's fast, he's agile, he's powerful. But at the same time, like, what you think is, isn't, is like, brilliant footwork when you think about him. And, and I really think that that's one of the largest determining factors here. The other thing I, I think about, too, is is anybody who uses Yoel Romero's wrestling here as their determinant for picking him, I, I think you're crazy because he's not a guy who falls back on his wrestling or goes to it early, right? Like, he's a guy who has it but just doesn't seem to use it all that often. And for that reason, as well as the reasons I mentioned before, I think Israel Adesanya is a pretty easy pick here. So I agree with everything you said. I don't have much to add. I'll just add this. If Romero were to do a grind him up against the cage, dirty box situation, which is exactly what I expect his path to victory would be, then I could see Adesanya in a little bit of trouble, but Adesanya actually has phenomenal takedown defense. For a guy who was like a Muay Thai fighter uh, and came up predominantly as a striker, I mean, his path to takedown defense has been near flawless and almost quicker than I think we saw with like a Joanna or a Connor who in their first few fights, we maybe thought to ourselves, like, all right, a wrestler's going to kill this guy. Remember, that was always the big thing on Connor. He hasn't faced a wrestler yet. hasn't faced a wrestler yet. And fat Chad Mendez took Connor down. Now, albeit Connor was on a bad knee, but Connor got his uh, his takedown defense to a very high level, as did Joanna Janjacek, who came up predominantly as a very good Muay Thai striker herself. Israel Adesanya, I feel like it's just been near flawless from him getting in the cage. The footwork is the big factor here. It's going to be better. You saw that against a Kelvin Gastelum. You saw that against a Robert Whitaker. He's doing to the middleweight division uh, in a lot of ways what Connor did to the featherweight and somewhat the 155 division, which is he's just on a different level in his striking. And if he could keep doing the takedown defense, he's going to be good. Why am I so confident in the takedown defense also? Is that Romero is, again, I already said it. We don't even know how old he is. It says 42, but it really means 48. He carries a lot of muscle. He, he's not a wrestler-first UFC fighter, although he has a tremendous wrestling pedigree. 
he's not going to take Israel Adesanya down for five full rounds. Mm-hmm. That's just not him. And, it's and not Israel, his cardio. It's not his gas tank. And Israel has an amazing gas tank as well. I, I feel like we don't talk about that enough. Think about that fight with Calvin Gastelum, which was five grueling-ass rounds, and he looked amazing in the 25th minute, right? The 25th minute was maybe his best minute of the fight. So, like, if Yoel Romero might not possibly have the gas tank for all that and certainly isn't going to take him down for 25 minutes, we also have to talk about the fact that Israel Adesanya's gas tank is phenomenal. I also want to mention that, uh, you know, you look at the Weidman fight for Yoel Romero. It was 1-1 heading into the third. Uh, Weidman probably could have grinded out that win on the last round just because he was really the fresher fighter. And out of nowhere, more or less, uh, you know, Yoel Romero decapitated Chris Weidman with a flying knee. He has another flying knee uh, in the UFC. It led to a TKO, but it was a flying knee that set it up, and then it was punches that the ref came in and stopped it. That's the path to victory to me. I, I can't even really say that Yoel Romero can grind Israel Adesanya up against the cage and take him down enough where he steals three out of five rounds. I think it could be something really violent. You know, Adesanya tires a little bit. Romero lands a big right or a flying knee or what have you that it would be something kind of crazy. And that's why I kind of believe these odds are really well placed with Idesanya being a minus 275 favorite Romero being a plus 230 dog. I think it's right where it should be. I think it's going to be an entertaining fight, but I think it's Idesanya's fight. So we agree on that. Let's move on. We have another title fight on this card. Uh, Zhang Wiley, Yoani Yon Jacek, really the battle of the hardest names to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> our champion, Zhang, a minus 175 favorite. Yoana, the plus 155 dog. Not really used to seeing her in the dog, uh, as the dog, but she is coming off a win over Michelle Waterson via unanimous decision. Of course, lost to Valentina Shevchenko for the women's flyweight title back in December of 2018. Beat Tisha Torres before that, and of course, lost the two fights in a row to Rose Nami Yunus. So, Joanna two and three in her last five fights. Uh, now, I believe fully in ATT in the U.S., but looking to get her career back on path and really reclaim what she probably believes is her belt as the once dominant champion of the division. Uh, but this champion is looking pretty dominant. Uh, Twenty and wins. one in her career. <laughs> Twenty, 20 straight, straight wins. wins. So funny. Four. <laughs> 4-0 and in the UFC and coming off a big TKO where she won the UFC Women's Strawweight Championship over Jessica Andrade. Never actually got a chance to defend that belt that she beat Rose Namajunas for. That all being said, uh, we have a good fight on our hands. Wiley, minus 175. Yoana, plus 155. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm taking the champ. I think I think Zhang Wiley is such an easy pick here for me, and, and for a couple of reasons, right? Like, when you look at the people Joanna Jan Jacek has been able to beat, it's people who on their feet, she can overwhelm with volume and she can overwhelm with with racking up amounts of damage, right? Like, you know, you mentioned that she had a win uh, over Tisha Torres, right? Tisha Torres not doing tons of damage. So, you know, she does, she's not scared of her. She She's racking up a whole bunch of strikes. You know, Michelle Watterson. Michelle Watterson fought at 105 pounds for most of her life before she got to the UFC, and they don't have that division. So, like, again, not super worried about her power. So, like, Jessica Andrade, you know, if she stays away from the one bomb, she can rack up the points. 
she is not going to be able to stay away from what Danger Lee. Oof, you're right. It's a tough name to say. So one of the things about her is she is big and very physically strong. I don't think there is a fighter out there that uh, Joanna has dealt with that is as physically strong as Zhang Guali. And I think it's because not just is she, you know, like, like I said, muscular and stuff like that, but the technique on her punches is such that when you are hit, it is going to hurt you and it is going to hurt you critically. Like, look what she did to Jessica Andrade. Have you ever seen somebody hit Jessica Andrade that freaking hard and seen Jessica Andrade buckle like that? That's It's scary what she did to Jessica Andrade. And, and like, go back and watch what Jessica Andrade did with Ioana Janjacek because that was a five-round decision. And not only was it a five-round decision, it was a five-round decision where Ioana hit her consistently for five rounds, won every single one of the five rounds, including one round by 10-8. And I don't think once I thought Jessica Andrade was in trouble. So, you know, like that just shows you the power difference here. And I don't think Ioana is going to be able to avoid the shots for a whole fight. Like, she got hit by Rose Namajunas enough. Like, she'll get hit by Vang Jali. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I I also just feel like Zali, uh Vang is just a better fighter all around. I feel like Ioana, like you said, if she can't overwhelm you with strikes... Um, it's going to be a tough day at the office for her. So I just happen to like the champ in this situation. Yeah. And, and I think, right. I think you're totally right too on that. Like she doesn't have, there's no plan B, right? Like she's not, she can't go to her takedown game and take your back. She can't put you up against the cage and like grapple you that way. Like it, it it's volume striking and, and accumulative damage or nothing. 100P, which stands for 100%. Benil Darouche is on a little win streak. He's won three in a row since losing to Alexander Hernandez via KO back in March of 2018. Picked up wins over Tiago Moises, Drew Dober, and Frank Camacho. Uh, triangle armbar on Drew Dober. Rear naked choke on Frank Camacho. Very cool. Camacho. Very cool to see Benil Darouche use his grappling and jiu-jitsu to pick up some wins. He's fighting Drakkar close this weekend. Uh, undefeated, no, I take that back. He is five and one in the UFC, excuse me, with a loss to David Timer. Uh, but since then picked up wins over Lando Venata, Bobby Green, Christos Gaigos, uh, all the unanimous decisions. So not a ton of finishes to his name, uh, has four knockouts in his professional MMA career, but none in the UFC. So that's something to keep in mind for this fight. If you want to know the odds, Benil Derouche is a minus 165 favorite, Tricar close, a plus 145 dog. Who you got? I, I like Benil Darush in this fight, and I, I think the reason is pretty simple. You, you mentioned the fact that Tricar close, not the type of guy who's knocking very many people out, especially since he's gotten to the UFC. Benil Darush is a guy who moves forward at a good enough clip here that I think this fight is going to wind up in the clinch a lot. And really, when it comes down to it, Benil Dariush is, has some of the most underrated jiu-jitsu in the UFC right now. You know, like everybody talks about Demian Maia. Everybody talks about Davi Hamosh. Everybody talks about Rodolfo Vieira. Like, those are really high-level guys. Benil Dariush is a really high-level guy, too. And, and I think it's only going to take him once, maybe twice, getting to the ground with Drakkar Kloza for him to be able to finish the submission here. Uh, I think that's completely true. I'm also taking Darush here. Um, and follow on social media 
at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter, at Flow Combat on Twitter, and follow Flow Combat on Instagram, where you will see both mine and Gumby's picks each week. Some guy tried to call me out last week and called me a casual. Kid went four and one anyway. F you, random Instagram uh, poster. But that all being said, we're having great fun with that, and you can follow our picks online there. Let's get to our dog of the week. It's Austin Hubbard, who's a plus 185, a plus 185 dog. That's how big our balls are. We take plus 185 dogs here over Mark Madsen. Why? Uh, so the re- the reason is quite simple. First of all, I'm a homer for a guy we interviewed. Uh, <laughs> no shame in that. But second of all, Mark Madsen is a guy who is an Olympian in Greco-Roman wrestling. And a lot of people put a lot of stock in his Olympic-style Greco-Roman wrestling. But the the fact of the matter is, is he has fought pretty low-level competition in his one UFC fight, he he fought uh, Danilo Berlardo, who's an Italian fighter who you know don't doesn't have the best wrestling defense, and then a bunch of fights in Cage Warriors against an, a bunch of other guys that are you know French or British and don't have a bunch of wrestling background. So as a result, he has looked like a superstar wrestling. He's going to be fighting Austin Hubbard, who is a guy from the U.S. who has been wrestling most of his life, uh, and, and not that he is like a superstar wrestler or a Division One wrestler. But he does have a wrestling background, and I think just the fact of the matter is, is he can stuff Mark Madsen once or twice, he's going to hurt him on the feet. Because I think Austin Hubbard has way better stand-up than Mark Madsen does, and he's got the reach and leg kicks to sort of keep him away and make his takedowns, especially because it's Greco-Roman wrestling, too, right? Like, we're not talking about power doubles, we're talking about body clinches and stuff like that, so he is going to be able to keep him at bay a little bit easier with those leg kicks. And and I think he probably picks up a decision here uh, by doing that. All right. That was our dog of the week, Austin Hubbard, our dog. He's our dog because he's a friend of the show. Our dog, Austin Hubbard is our dog of the week. Here's our parlay to play. Lee Jing Lang, a minus 165 favorite, but pair her with Guido Canetti at plus 125. And it gets you plus 210 on this parlay. What do you like about it? So I like Lee Jiangliang over Neil Magny here because I, I think he is a guy who I think a lot of people forget how good he looked against Austin Matthews. Some of the reason is, is because he gouged Austin Matthews' eyes out in that fight. And, and it was probably one of the dirtier moments in MMA. Uh, but at the same time, like if you look at it, that fight, he was in top control against Austin Matthews. So, like, I think there there's a lot to be said for exactly, you know, like what he's able to do um, with top game. And he's fighting Neil Magny, who's a guy who supposedly has a wrestling background, but has been absolutely dominated on the ground by people like, you know, RDA, who's like a smaller welterweight. And now here's Lee Jianglong, who is an enormous welterweight. So as a result, I think he's probably going to grind him out. And I'm taking an underdog in here in the, the parlay, uh, Guido Canetti. I, I just really love his striking, and he's going to be fighting a guy, you know, his only four losses in the his whole career are by submissions. He's going to be fighting a kickboxer. So he doesn't have to worry about that those submissions anymore. He's going to be fighting a guy who's willing to stand and bang with him. And, and last time out, I thought he looked great against Marlon Vera on the feet. And if you look good against Marlon Vera, whether or not you get submitted at the end of that fight is really irrelevant because Marlon Vera is a killer. So uh, I think Guido Canetti at plus 125 paired with Lee Jianglong at negative 165. It pays out plus 260. Man, we are going big plays this week at plus 260 and plus 185. 
All right, boom. That's our parlay to play. That's our Fights, Dogs, and Parlay segment for UFC 248. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Let us know on Twitter, uh, at Top Turtle MMA. Did we do you dirty this week with some bad picks? Spoiler, I guarantee you we didn't. But let us know if we did. And if you appreciate some of this gambling advice and getting your mind right for UFC 248, hey, let us know. We're accepting both love and hate feedback on our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. Gumby, that about wraps it up for us, but why don't you know, do a little housekeeping, get us home, let the people know what they need to know. And, well, that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without Flow Combat, who's the mothership. It is our home base and where you can find all of our content each and every week. Plus, we want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social and Battle Clan Gear. And we want to remind you guys to check us out on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA Podcast. Or just Top Turtle MMA, rather. I'm David Gumby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Dramonte. And we will see you next week.